Well, good morning. Um, people have been seeing me in the hall have been saying, Adam, are you nervous? And I say, of course I'm nervous. I'm speaking in chapel. Um, but it's a privilege to be here with all of you. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to share um, what God's been teaching me through the passage that Mark gave me. We good to go with the PowerPoint? And yeah, so part of the reason I'm up here is just, uh, you know, Mark has been talking about the reality that lots of churches in the states are closing due to lack of pastors. And uh, there was this thought of um, kind of showcasing a bit of the pastoral program. Um, and I just want to encourage you, who's doing the one-year encounter program? A few of you guys. Um, really pray about staying at Prairie next year. Um, even you who are maybe graduating a two-year program, maybe it's not pastoral, maybe it's something else. Um, but the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And churches, they need pastors. They need leaders. Um, and pastoring isn't about standing in a pulpit in front of people and speaking to them on a Sunday morning necessarily. There's so much more to it. Sometimes churches need pastors who are just going to come alongside and walk with people who are going through difficult times in their lives. Um, there's tons of ministry available. And Prairie has a fantastic pastoral program that equips us way beyond the pulpit. Um, so I just encourage you guys to think about that. And I just also want to take a second um, to thank uh, Mark and Sarah and Jordan for putting on chapels every week. Can we just give them a hand? There's a, there's a lot that goes into making this happen. Um, and it's a huge privilege to be able to gather together with one another every week. And we don't want to take that uh, for granted. So this morning I want us to start by reading some scripture together. We're going to be looking at the parable of the so seeds in the soils. Um, which is probably familiar to so many of you. If you went to um, Sunday school as a child, this was a common one. Um, I wanted to use a flannel graph this morning. Who knows what flannel graph is? Yeah. <laughs> so flannel graph exists at the school. It's in the library of a huge flannel graph archive. And because of the popularity of this story, it actually, they have the parable of the seeds and the soils. But they were so bad beyond like, haha, that's funny, this is great, that I was like, I can't use these. So I had to make some PowerPoint instead, so hopefully that'll work well. Uh, but let's all stand together um, and read the first bit of Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose way are, is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn of your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much in, as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Amen. You can take a seat. So Psalm 119, very familiar psalm. I doubt any of us have it memorized. Um, 
But there's something in Psalm 119. If, if your devotional life is dry, if you're feeling discouraged in your faith, I can't see anything. Can you, uh, are my glasses like white from the glare? Okay. Um, there's something about Psalm 119. If, if you want to come to love the word of the Lord, it's a great place to start. Because it's just going to encourage you over and over again. And then when I was looking at preparing for this message, I thought it would be a great place for us to start. Because as we talk about the parable of the seeds and the sower, uh, the seeds in this parable are the words of God. Um, and we need to grow in our love and desire for the word. Um, but So let's uh, look together. If you have your Bibles with you, um, you can turn to page 881 in your little ESV pocket Bibles. Or you can open your Bibles to Matthew 13. Um, so where we're at here in the story, Jesus' ministry is really getting moving. Um, we've kind of just transitioned in the gospel to the part, uh, if you're going to kind of break Matthew up into sections, this is a kind of a new section here has begun where rejection and acceptance of Jesus as Messiah is taking place. So the Pharisees have started already to kind of be like, eh, we don't really like this Jesus guy, but there's a lot of energy going on in Nazareth. Um, and Jesus here, it's kind of at this point where you're about to make it or you're going to break it. People are going to start following Jesus, you're going to start walking away. Some are getting very angry. Um, right before this, Jesus, this is when Jesus, um, his parents and his, his mom and his brothers come to see him. And he says, well, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? You know, so he's saying some of this almost controversial stuff where people are like, huh? What are you talking about there, Jesus? Um, so here we have him um, he, he, in this teaching discourse, um, and he's starting to talk in parables. We're going to start um, in verse 14, just because uh, for sake of time here. So I'm just going to read it for us here. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word, of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, <clears throat> this is the one who hears the word but cares for the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Um, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for the truth of your word. God, we thank you that Jesus Christ has come. Lord, we thank you that we have your word. God, that we can look to it for instruction and discipline, God. And just as I speak, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me and minister in the hearts of all of us, God, um, and that we would grow um, in the conformity of your Son, Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, so, yeah, some of you might know my story. I, I came to Prairie from a trades background. I was framing houses in Calgary for about four and a half years. Really enjoyed it, um, but I was kind of the stereotypical guy in trades. A lot of us end up in trades because we don't like school and we aren't very academic. Um, so when God kind of instructed and, and called Jolene and I um, from Calgary to pray to start studying, there was this fear and this intimidation in me. I'm like, oh man, academia. Ooh, okay. Um, 
you know, but there was a bit of excitement, and we, I started getting into it, and I found myself really enjoying it, but, you know, sometimes not really getting the concepts what was being taught in class. There'd be days that I'd be feeling so busy with my homework that a lot of the teaching would go in, in one ear and out the other. Oftentimes, I just didn't want to study. Can you relate to that? Where you're like, ah, you know, I could, I could study, or I could go hang out with my friends, or, or chill on the couch and watch Netflix. Um, you know, or, or I'd be studying, studying, and I'd figure that I got it. You know, like, hey, I got it. And then I'd go write a test, and it suddenly this information wasn't at all internalized, and I get this grade back. I'm like, what? What happened? I just fell apart. Um, so school has been a bit of a cha- challenge for me. You know, and oftentimes I find myself cramming or pulling all-nighters, and then the next day drinking, drinking copious amounts of coffee just to get by. Um, and that's been a bit of my... My, <laughs> my experience here at school. Um, but when I was studying this text, I was like, wow. Jesus here is talking about, in a sense, this, this diligence for us when we hear and receive the word of the Lord. You know, there's an element of looking at this passage and saying, well, when we go and share the gospel, different people are going to receive it in different ways. Uh, there's a huge element of that. I think there's also an element of it where as we hear the word of God, as seeds are sown in our hearts, how are we receiving them? What is the condition of your heart? What's the condition of my heart? You know, and the seed in this parable is likened to, um, the seed is likened to the word of God. And why is it likened, why is the word of God likened to a seed? It seems kind of like a reduction. But we read in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So we see that the Word of God is a very, very powerful thing. Now, when we think of a seed, what do we think of? We're like, oh, we got a little seed. We're going to put it in the ground, and we're going to bury it. It doesn't seem very significant, but what happens? In that seed is this amazing power for life. In that seed, roots shoot down into the ground, and then a tree produces and shoots up. And from that tree, we get fruit. So within a seed is this amazing amount of potential. So that, I believe, is why it's likened to a seed. You know, and these seeds are still being sown today. I believe they're being sown in our classrooms, in, in school here, when we're being taught. They're being sown when we go to church and we sit and we listen to the pastor preach. These seeds are being sown when you're sitting down with your impact leader for a one-on-one and they're speaking the truth of God into your life. These seeds are being sown on street corners when people are standing, maybe reading their Bibles out loud, or in the mission fields when missionaries are going, proclaiming the word of God. Seeds are being scattered all across the earth today. But how are we receiving them? You know, Prairie's vision is to know Christ and make Him known. And we talk a lot at Prairie, how are you growing in your faith? And as soon as we say growing, we're going back to almost that seed image. Is, is the Word of God producing fruit in your life? Is the Word of God you know, coming up like a tree out of the ground and and there's fruit growing from the branches that are edifying to you and to those around you and benefiting the kingdom of God. You know, and I think that this passage speaks to us of the diligence that we need when we approach the word of God, when we receive the seeds, when God is speaking to us, what are you doing with the seeds that God's giving to you and blessing you with? Because it is a blessing. You know, I think our prayer when we consider this passage needs to come out of verse 14, where it says that um, you will indeed hear but never understand, you will indeed see but never perceive. We need to be praying, Lord, we do not want to be a people ever hearing and seeing, 
but not changing. Lord, when I approach your word, am I a person who just kind of reads it quickly and passes it to the side? Because we are seeing and we are hearing all of the time. And you who are here at school studying the word of God, you're seeing and you're hearing a lot more than you might ever in, your, in the rest of your life. You go class to class, impact group to church, to chapel, to Thursday chapel, to Friday chapel. We're constantly exposing ourselves to the seeds and the truth of the kingdom of God. But is it changing your life? I believe as we read Psalm 119, we see the benefit of the word of God. It's so obvious. It is so evident. And I believe that this text is illustrating to us that to produce fruit for the kingdom, we must be able to receive the seeds of the kingdom, not simply expose them to ourselves. This text is teaching us that our fruitfulness, our growth, our success, us knowing Christ and making Him known, is dependent on our ability to receive and cultivate the seeds that we've been blessed to have fall upon us. And simply put, for God's truth to produce fruit, it must first take root. <laughs> you want to say that with me? For God's truth to produce fruit, it must first take root. Are you allowing God's truth to take root in your life? So in 13 minutes, I want to kind of pound through each one of these soils um, that Jesus talks about. And I think it's, it's important to note that as we approach it, I think these, these soil conditions can exist you know, almost sim simultaneously in our lives. There's some areas of our lives that we're quick to, like, surrender to God, you know. Um, there's other areas in our life where, you know, it's, it's a longer process. Maybe our heart is harder than softer. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind as we go through this. So first we have the hard heart. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Um, kind of as I studied for this, I, I, was, I looked at a book that uh, Richie White recommended to me called The Waiting Father by Hilmut Feichel. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I probably butchered it. Um, but yeah, just give credit where credit's due. And he, he talks about the hard heart. He gives this picture of a path, which I think is so, it's like, yeah, we have, we have the seeds sown along the path. He kind of expands on what that path would be. And you know, when we think of a path, maybe we think of a road or something, there's, there's heavy traffic. There's lots of movement going on on this path. And it's interesting when you think about this busyness and the demands. You know, culturally, um, this is a very attractive thing. You know, the world's telling us that we want to be the type of people who are really busy, who have a heavy agenda. We're constantly going. Maybe you're always on your phone. Um, your, your phone's constantly sending and receiving text messages. There's lots of input, output, heavy traffic. So when we think a seed that's fall upon a path, think of heavy traffic. And the heavy traffic on this, on this soil has, has caused the soil to become very compact and very beaten down. Um, <clears throat> and, and the consequence of this is that the seed that falls upon this path, suddenly there's no understanding or recognition of what that seed is. You know, and if they only understood what the seed really was, they would see that the soil of their heart was in great desperate need to be plowed. But there's something here we need to understand that when our hearts become like a path, we become incapable of receiving kingdom truth. It just can't bear fruit. And for God's truth to produce fruit, it must first take root. 
And the consequence from this lack of understanding the value of the seed is that the seed gets stolen. And this was very profound to me. Why would the seed get stolen? Why not sit by the wayside? And I thought about that for a bit, and it kind of hit me that the devil has zero interest in God's truth taking root in your life. The enemy would rather send something, send a, a metaphoric bird to swoop down and take that seed rather than let it sit there and somehow maybe one day produce fruit in your life. He doesn't want to have it. And Satan delights in the hard path. He delights in the busyness. He delights in the fact that we are so caught up in our own agendas, our own striving, our to-do list, this, that, and the other thing. The fact that we can't even sit down and do devotions for 20 minutes anymore without getting distracted. How is a seed supposed to produce fruit? How is a seed supposed to produce fruit? Um, in, when Thycle was commenting on this, he kind of talked about how when we sit down to do our devotions, you know, as soon as that cell phone goes off, or as soon as those thoughts of the day start going through your head, he says that you've blown a whistle summoning the birds to come down and take the very few seeds that have landed on your heart. They'll never bear fruit. Martin Luther said it well, too. We can't stop the birds from flying over our heads, but we must take heed lest they build a nest in our hair. What a picture. So when it comes to us experiencing Christian growth, how will we grow unless we stop and see the value of these seeds? How will we grow unless we slow down? Unless we do some tilling of our heart and pray that those seeds would take root? And how about you? Are you allowing God's life-changing truth to take root in your life? Are you willing to slow down, till the soil, and give God the opportunity? As we move along, Jesus talks about the shallow heart. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Now I want you to imagine that I find out that you love apples. And if apples aren't your favorite fruit, just pretend that they are. And so out of my deep love and concern for you, I decided it would be a great gift for me to get you an apple tree. But I don't have the money to buy an apple tree, so I just get you some apple seeds. And I bring you these apple seeds, and you are so excited that I got you apples that you just eat the seeds. You know? <laughs> this is kind of the picture that we're getting here. A heart that is shallow. A heart that is not allowing, allowing the, 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 the seed take root. I kind of view this as an emotional Christianity. Some of you have heard of the term moralistic therapeutic deism, which is this idea that, that we love the morality that Christianity has. We love the therapy. God loves me. I love you. We all love one each other. And deism, we make a God out of that. But when it comes down to the truth of Scripture, when it comes down to the lordship of Jesus Christ, when it comes down to, hey, you're going to have to change the way that you live. You're going to have to stop watching certain things on television. You're going to have to start dressing and, and, and dressing and presenting yourself in a certain way and um, coming forward and presenting Christ in every area of your life. People don't like that quite as much. But they love this idea of the, the moralistic side of Christianity or uh, the therapeutic side of it. You know, but, but if a seed is truly taken root, a man must die. Surrender, repentance, there's a cost involved. 
but, but being unfacilitating to this cost, this heart will naturally engage in being superficial. You know, this is the heart condition that's described in, in James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, uh, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, and therefore deceiving yourself. When your heart is shallow, you love hearing the word. You know, and you're like, yeah, I want to listen to as many sermons as I can. I want to take it all in. You know, it's great. I love this Christianity thing. You know, and this is constant input. But you aren't allowing the, the seed to take root. You know, Matthew Henry says that these people swallow the seed without chewing. And in swallowing the seed without chewing, there can never be good digestion. And I think with a shallow heart, we can talk about great theology we can express our knowledge or our understanding. Um, and, and, you know, when I get to school, I'm so guilty of this. You know, we learn cool things in class. I'm like, man, this and that. Or I'm, maybe I'm reading a book or whatever. You know, and, and it's almost like I use it to make myself appear super knowledgeable. But unless that great theology, unless those amazing lectures that we receive on a daily basis actually go down to the roots, down to the roots and to the core of who I am and, and bring heart change, they're almost meaningless. Sure, I might pass a test, but I've completely neglected the life-giving potential within the seed. You know, and what happens with this is this knowledge that we have, inevitably it's tested by persecution. Just inevitably it's going to happen. This is what Jesus is talking about here. And I think there's two types of persecution. The first is from the outside. So maybe the truth of Scripture is challenging you to change the way that, that you live. So you want to change the way you live? You want to act differently? People are challenging that. Hey, why are, you, why are you acting like that? What happened? You used to be so fun, man. You know, and when these pressures start arising, suddenly being, being a Christian doesn't seem as cool as it used to. And so the seed that had begun to bring life just dies. The second kind of persecution, I believe, comes from within us. You know, the word rises up, it start, but it starts pointing to issues in my life. It's like, man, Adam, you don't. You know, you don't love people very well in this or that area. Or, you know, this seed starts challenging the way that I live. The truth of God's scripture is calling me to make heart change. And heart change is the hardest kind of change. And so suddenly the, my flesh is rising up and the seed's rising up and there's this battle going on within me. But the persecution from myself inevitably is almost too great because this, this seed hasn't really taken root. And the seed is overcome and it's killed. And life change doesn't happen. But how about you? Are you eating up the seeds without allowing them to digest? Are you allowing the kingdom truth to change your life? And do you understand some of the demands of the word and, re and respond to them in obedience? Are you allowing these seeds to bear fruit in your life? The third soil we interact with is the thorny heart. And we read, uh, Jesus says about this one, um, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. You know, this is funny. I was trying to get a kind of a good picture of this, and the best I could come up with was a really messy dorm room. You know, it's like you walk in and there's clothing absolutely everywhere. There's textbooks everywhere. And the, the, you have the bed in the, in the dorm room, but the bed is so piled up with stuff. There's just clutter absolutely everywhere. You know, and it finally rolls around to time to go to bed. And you get to the bed and the bed is unable to serve its designed purpose because of all the clutter and all the mess. 
And without some sort of uh, strenuous cleaning process, <laughs> you won't be able to go to sleep. But the, but the bed is no longer functioning. And this, this thorny heart, this is a Christianity of conflicting priorities. And I love this. We go back to the picture of a seed put in the ground. The issue with this heart is there's a battle for nutrients. You know, the seed needs as much nutrients as the weed needs to grow. And so when, when you aren't weeding, um, your seed and your weeds are both going to sprout out. And now that the seed's trying to get to the nutrients that it needs, but it can't because the, thorn, the thorns are also demanding those nutrients. And now you end up with a malnourished, malnourished plant. And it's interesting, if you've ever uh, kept a garden, um, my wife um, did that this summer. And I thought it was kind of funny when you step back and think about it, because gardeners spend more time in their garden tending to the weeds than they do to the plants. <laughs> you know, and again, what a picture. Within the seed is all the potential of growth. We don't make the seed grow. The, the seed grows on its own. But our responsibility is to be weeding out all those thorns so that the seed can properly grow. You know, when Jesus identifies these weeds as worry and deceitfulness, emphasizing to us the impact that worry can have on our Christian growth. Haddon Robinson, when speaking on worry, said, What worries you masters you. Have you experienced that? I know I have. You know, money is like the first obvious one I think of. I'm like, man, I'm really stressed about money. I'm laying awake at night. How are we going to make ends meet? You know, all this goes through my head, and suddenly I become a master to money. I'm making decisions based on money, not based on what the Word of God says. You know, you're worried about what people think of you, and that controls the way you think about how you should dress, how you should act, how you should behave. It's all influencing that. But then you're reading the Word of God, and it's telling you something contrary. And so there's this battle going on inside of you, and the weeds are choking out the seed. So how are you tending to the weeds in your life? Are you giving the seeds of the kingdom the opportunity to grow healthily? Are you giving them the care that they need by removing the weeds around them? You know, and then we move to the good soil. <clears throat> what Jesus says about the good soil. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold in another 60, and in another 30. So unlike the hard heart, this soil could not be used as a path for it is soft and available and ready to receive. Unlike the shallow soil, it allows digestion. It understands the demands of the word, allows the roots to penetrate to the depths of what it is and bring change, no matter how painful. Unlike the thorny heart, it has been weeded, not once, not twice, but likely daily. Time and care has been given to ensure um, time and care has been given to ensure that the heart will give to Christ all that is required. And this all leads to producing fruit. You know, and when you look at all these things, when you look at a hard heart, hard hearts need to be plowed. When you look at shallow soil, it needs to be dug up. You know, a lot of work has to go into that. When you look at thorny hearts, that's weeding, a lot of work. There's this reality that things take work. And what I want you to get today is that as we receive the Word of God, don't just pass it aside. Don't just be like, oh, that was a great devotion, you know, and, and move on. But let it sink in. 
Let it go to the depths of your heart. You know, when God's bringing up things, you know, if you're, you know, you're sitting at lunch and you're remembering something from a lecture that morning and it's really hitting you, let God do that work. Don't brush it aside. Don't be like the hard heart where you just get on with the busyness of your day. You know, when you're dealing with worry and, and frustration and all these different things in your life, these competing priorities, slow down. Slow down and, and go back to the truth of the word. And pray that God would help you to trust Him. Pray that God would help your priorities to be straight. Because the, the result of this good soil is a fruitful life. And it will be worth the work. It will be worth the labor. It will be worth your efforts to put that in. And the big caution is that you will be someone who hears but never understands. You will be one who indeed sees but never perceives. Let's pray. Father God, I, I pray, I cry out to you, God, that we will not be a, a people who are ever hearing and ever seeing but never understanding. God, I pray that you would, you would open our eyes. God, that you would soften our hearts, that you would make deep the soil in our hearts. Lord, that you would give us the discipline of weeding so that the seeds of your kingdom, God, the truth that we hear in chapel, the truth that we hear in our impact groups, the truth that we hear in our classes, at our lectures, God, that they would bring real life change. Lord, that we would be equipped to meet the greatest needs on this earth. That we would be a people who know you, and by default, we make you known. Because we live and abide in your word. Lord, I'm sure that there's some of us in here who hear this and maybe feel some sort of conviction, maybe not. But God, I pray that you would bring a conviction of the importance of your word. Lord, that, that verse from Psalm 119 just keeps sticking out in my head. How can a young man keep his path straight? Lord, the answer is your word, knowing and understanding your word. So Lord, I pray that your, your word would do its work in our lives, that it would bring life. Lord, and that we would see fruit coming out, Lord. But Jesus, only you can do that work. So we give that back to you, Lord, and just pray that you administer in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, chapel is dismissed. Have a great day.